Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love Thee, and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love Thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Just a note, we get sometimes we get messages from, from you um, asking for prayers. We I do pray for you every day. I have a holy hour every day, every morning beginning at 6 a.m., and uh, all of the Radio Maria family is included in those prayers. Prayers for your salvation, prayers that you would be given every grace and blessing to become saints in this life, to worship God forever and the next. So you are covered. Uh, but occasionally, um, I just like to let people know. So Jason B. from Lake Arthur, Louisiana, you have been prayed for, specifically for you, the things you asked for, and... Uh, Trust God will provide and all will be well. Okay, so today, if you went to Mass, you would know it's the story about uh, the great catch that Peter makes when Jesus says, put out your nets and uh, let them down for a catch after he had a night of no success in fishing, professional fishermen. Uh, and it took great humility on Peter's part to do that. He would have been very tired. And we'll get back to that story. So humility... It's important. It's the it's a deal breaker. You can't get into heaven with pride. Pride is the antithesis of humility. And this past Sunday, you might remember, uh, at Mass, the first reading was from Sirach. It said, My child, conduct your affairs with humility. Humble yourself. The more, the greater you are, and you will find favor with God. First reading. This, then the Gospel uh, was all about Jesus goes to the home of some big shot Pharisee, and it says the people were observing him carefully. They're always observing him, uh, not because they're impressed by him, but they're usually looking for something that he's doing wrong so they could bring charges against him. And so he, though, Jesus was watching the Pharisees as well, and he noticed they were all choosing the places of highest honor at the table. So he delivers a parable on them. <clears throat> now, you have to know something. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus, when he uh, is teaching through parables, he has several gears or modes that he, he can deliver his message in. The first one, gear one, would be simple basic language like in the Beatitudes. When he goes into second gear, he uses more descriptive parables like the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke. When he goes into third gear, he uses some categorical, categorical imperatives, like, unless you become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And in fourth gear, he uses automatic maxims, like, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And finally, in fifth gear, when he's, you know, he basically lets loose all of the power of heaven on them uh, and drops the hammer. And... Uh, you could call them basically the rolling thunderstorms of judgment. This is when he lets it fly for those who refuse to listen to him. 
So, like, you brood of vipers. He, he's getting their attention. That would get anybody's attention. Uh, so, basically, uh, the whole Sermon on the Mount, it could be considered this uh, message of humility, the gospel of humility. So, when we think about humility, it's not something that people really desire. Some people do. You know, if you're striving to get to heaven, you would have to be desiring humility. But generally speaking, when we look to the world stage, when we look to the people who are leading us, when we look to the people who are making movies and TV shows, we don't see a whole lot of humility. Makes sense. These are people who've strived their whole life to take center stage, so to speak. And so it's rare, it's very rare when you see somebody with tremendous fame, power, and fortune who are humble. I say it all the time. Uh, the ones that come to mind would be the saints who were kings and queens who use their power and resources to help the poor and the marginalized. That's how they got to heaven, is they used what they were given in great quantity for the poor and the marginalized. But we don't see that very often. You know, we don't see that. And, of course, there's always press about celebrities who donate to a charity. You know, good for you, but when you spend most of your life pointing to yourself, that's not humility. So what is humility? Remember King Edward? He was one that uh, really shined, and, and he gave everything. In fact, he had, by the end of his life, pretty much given away all he had and... Uh, and that was why he was granted uh, a place in heaven. So humility is the queen mother of all virtues. St. Augustine was once asked what was the most important of all the virtues. He answered humility. And then he was posed a second question. What are the next two most important virtues? And he said, humility and humility. It's all about humility. And he would have known this because he, as a young man, he was filled with pride. And he was doing things according to his own whims. So he, you know, when you when you have a conversion, you, you have a great resource in remembering what it was like on the other side. And uh, St. Paul also spoke very eloquently about uh, the humility of Jesus Christ. He said he humbled himself and took the form of a slave, basically putting on human flesh and going to the cross where he... Uh, submitted to the cross for our salvation. That's the greatest act of humility that ever happened. Imagine God who made everything, God who existed always, God who is pure spirit, comes down to earth and enters into creation with a human body as a baby, no less. There can't be any more humility than entering creation as a newborn infant when you are totally helpless totally dependent totally hidden you know that's that's the heights of of humility that the one who has all power all glory all honor comes into creation as a little baby boy and then that child would grow up and take that body to the cross his body was nailed to the cross for our sins the greatest act of humility ever, ever in the history of the whole world. And he's talking to us, saying, 
what does he say to us? He says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. So he, he's saying, you must do what I've done if you want to follow me into heaven. And that is the way of humility. If anybody had a reason to be proud, it would be Jesus, because he literally is all that, right? He's the only one that's all that. <laughs> so he's the only one who has bragging rights, yet he never did. He, he, he told the truth. I am the son. Well, actually, it was pointed out about him by his father. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, John, behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist, so it was always pointed out. Jesus, for the most, 100% hum, humility, you know, and never never deserved the cross, but took it anyway for our benefit. After Jesus, the, the most humble human person, Jesus a divine person, is Mary. Mary also has bragging rights on, on, on who she is. She is the crown jewel in creation. The crown jewel. So she'd be the only one, the one with the most uh, ability to brag about who she is. And yet she never does, never did, never will. So, you know, when people know who they are, when people know how loved they are by God, how much God has done for them, they don't have to talk about themselves. They, they just let, they talk about God and they point it to God. And God, in his great Magnimity uh, reveals his glory in his creatures and through his creatures. So we see the glory of God shining through the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, and not only did it shine through her, he came through her. God enters the world through Mary. And uh, so the point of this whole thing is that it's very important we weed out the pride and we, we build up the humility. Uh, some people think the definition of humility is um, recognizing who you, your place in the God's kingdom. That it's a good definition, but if Jesus is saying take the lower place. He's saying go lower. He's saying get low, get down to the ground, get your face to the dirt, and bow before me, your God. That that's humility. We should have our faces down. Uh, to the ground every day when we step into uh, adoration, when we uh, go and worship the Lord, because we're recognizing we are we are just a mere creature and, and God is God. God's the creator. So we have to do that. And uh, like I said, the opposite of humility is pride. And pride would be the king or the, the, the preeminent vice of all the vices. Why? Because it's in every sin. In every single sin committed, there is pride. Because what the person is doing is saying, I am doing it my way, not God's way. That's in every sin. Every single sin is pride. So when you go to confession, always remember to confess pride because it's in there. Always confess that you haven't loved the Lord with all your heart and soul and strength. Because if you did, you wouldn't commit the sin. So how do we move ourselves out of pride and into humility? Well, it takes uh, introspection. This is something very few people do anymore. People just um, verbally vomit out what they think and then move on. 
they don't ever not everybody but mo- many people don't consider what's coming out of their mouth or ponder what they're about to say before they say it we see this in heated arguments all the time people just you know spout and then they move on and they don't consider what they've done not good you know because the word became flesh words are important we should choose them wisely there were many saints who hardly ever spoke you know and when they did it was usually about god they did not speak about the worldly matters uh in fact we have many uh popes who became saints who lamented the office of pope because they realized they had to deal with worldly affairs and that meant less time in prayer and less time in uh, the office of the priesthood, more time in administrative work. And that was just the part and parcel of becoming the Pope. But many of them uh, knew that that was going to be a big change in their lifestyle, not just in how they were treated by others, but how they would have to behave in fulfilling that office. So, important for us to um, weed it out uh, think about, you know, this is why the priests and the religious every day do an examination of conscience at the end of the day uh, to review our day and to, to highlight what I do is I ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind uh, three things where I failed in the day and then I acknowledge those failures I ask forgiveness for those failures and then I ask the Lord to um, limit those failures so they don't happen again you know, decrease those in me and take uh, whatever faults those were out of my heart. And then I asked, what are the three top things I did well during the day? And then I thank the Lord for the gift of his grace in those matters and ask him to multiply those habits and behaviors so they would uh, become predominant in my life. And it's a work. We're a work in progress. Every day we have to continue to do this. So uh, just so you know, this four types of pride, basically. Uh, There's a pride of superiority or authority. And this is the typical narcissistic, angry, entitled person uh, uh, of whom we're seeing many more on the world stage these days. And they often seek control of others and uh, and they look to make uh, outward moves of acquiring power and status. So like I said, Sadly, politicians, not all of them, but but many, and uh, movie stars, celebrities, TV people, not all, but many. Um, and it would be hard. Imagine if the whole world's telling you you're wonderful. It would be hard to remain humble. Uh, this is why some people have left that business. Uh, I remember there was a movie star who became a nun. I can't remember her name, but she left Hollywood to become uh, a sister and did and remained one her whole life. So there's that. Then there's this pride of timidity. That's another one. And it's a type of self-love that ironically manifests as a self-hatred. So uh, the timidly prideful live in fear of what others might think about them. So it might seem to be the opposite of pride, but it's actually an inverted form of pride because it's still motivated by a disordered self-love. And the key error for those with this kind of pride is uh, an overvaluing of human respect. You know, you know that is, that's uh, too much desiring 
other people's opinions to be uh, favored on you. So that's it's a problem. Uh, there was a priest that I very much admired back 20 years ago, and he said one day at a conference that um, he was given the gift of uh, – uh, what did he call it? Holy indifference, and that means he didn't—he didn't care what anybody thought of him except God. And isn't that wonderful? Uh, we should all have that. Not to be afraid. If we try to please people, we probably aren't pleasing God because often people's ideas of what's good is is in error. I hope you know that. Just yesterday. I saw our Catholic Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, say that people who support uh, pregnancy resources uh, and uh, are opposed to abortions are committing sin by those positions, by those attitudes. So here is somebody who is 100% absolutely uh, not only wrong, mistaken, but also foolish, and now literally promoting the murder of babies as a good and telling people who are against abortion that they are sinning by having that opinion. You can't get any more screwed up than that. Here's a person who I, this is what I tell people, when people are that confused and they're in speaking to me with such, you know, prideful, arrogant, and stupid opinions. How can you say you're Catholic? This goes 100% against what God wants. He, he's a lover of life. He's the creator of life. And only he can decide when life ends. The first thing I would say to somebody that would spout such an opinion is, when was the last time you went to confession? Because your soul is blocked from truth. You have... Shut down the grace pipeline, which means you're in desperate need of confession. When was the last time you went? I hope somebody in Washington or San Francisco is asking her this. Hopefully there's a priest that's concerned about her soul that would step in and ask, my dear woman, when was the last time you went to confession? Because you seem to be so far off the mark. Like, you're not even a couple of points off the mark. You know, you're like racing to hell. On a on a on a uh, a bullet train, with your with your opinions and your attitudes that you are publicly voicing, and in the process you're also telling people you're a Catholic. How, this is a scandal, scandal. Uh, so pray for the dear woman because uh, she she's she's in a desperate place. The way she, she's 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 revealing to the world how in error she is with the way she thinks. But we, we will now move on. Uh, the third type of pride is pride of sensitivity. And uh, it's usually the result of being wounded. So this person would make himself uh, feel bad. He wants to feel bad. And he gets a false joy out of feeling bad. You know, this is the, oh, woe is me. Um And the, finally, the last kind of pride is called pride of complacency. This is vanity. Uh, it's an excessive desire to gain human respect, but it's outward-facing and arrogant. And uh, 
The vain seek to impress others to be constantly held in high esteem. They like to show off, they perform. Um, they're often found in positions of influence where they can maximize attention. Uh, very similar to the first one, but this is really about just pure vanity. Uh, and I, so how, how would somebody come out of this? It would take humility. You know, if you don't embrace humility, you might get humbled. That's how much God loves you. If you won't embrace humility, he will knock you off your high horse because he loves you that much. Hopefully, you know, it would be a great tragedy if he didn't. So just to now sum up all this with the gospel today, Peter, Peter was out fishing all night. This is his, uh, how he makes a living. And it seems like he's the ringleader, like other people work with him and for him. So he's, a, he's in a position of superiority. And he comes in, at the, in the, with the morning sunrise and he's caught nothing. And Jesus shows up and he basically says, you know, uh, can you put out your, uh, your nets? Well, first he doesn't do that. What Jesus does first is he says, um, can you just put the boat out a little bit into the water so I can speak to the people? So he does this and Jesus gets in the boat and he starts talking to the people. Uh, and uh, after he kind of sum up, you, you could you can't call it a homily because there's no mass happening. But his his sermon after he gives his sermon, um, that's when he says to Peter, uh, "Can you uh, go put out your nets over that side of the boat?" Now, something that we you have to take note of in this gospel is in, in the very beginning when Jesus shows up, it says Peter was uh, cleaning his nets. Peter was cleaning his nets. And, uh, you know, when he's doing this, Jesus is talking. And then it's after he finishes speaking that he says, now go ahead and put out uh, your nets to the other side. Well, this would be a little bit aggravating uh, if you were Peter and uh, he's been washing the nets. He hasn't slept all night. He's tired. He hasn't caught any fish, so he's not going to make any money. Can't support his family by what he did last night. So he's probably tired. And so to have somebody uh, watch you cleaning your nets for the last 30, 40 minutes, an hour, and then says, go ahead and put it out to the other side. I mean, wouldn't you be thinking, hey, why didn't you tell me when you got here? Stop cleaning my net because you're going to make me use them again. But he doesn't do that. He might be thinking it. I don't know. We don't know what Peter was thinking. We know he was probably tired. But he says, uh, you know, Master, we've worked all night and caught nothing. But at your command... I'll lower my net. And so he does. And guess what? He catches this huge number of fish. So much so the nets are tearing. And they had to signal for the other boats to come and help them out. The, what's the lesson here? You know, you even when you're at your weakest moment and your most exhausted moment, you say, yes, Lord. Because he's about to bless you. 
and and everybody knows this had nothing to do with Peter's ability because they saw him come in with nothing. It was only at Jesus's command that Peter makes the biggest catch of his life. Why is that important? Peter now has enough food probably to feed his family, his friends, and his livelihood, his work, to enough to, to last him for a month. You know, he, it's a windfall for him, which gives him the ability to now go and follow Jesus and not worry about his family. Oh, the Lord set him up. Uh, and, and But thankfully, Peter played right into it and did what he said. So same with us. We have to be a people that are listening to the Lord and then obeying what he asks us to do particularly in those moments where it seems like this is a waste of time because that's precisely when he's going to bless you and bring forth his glory through you to reveal who he is to the world and isn't that wonderful that he uses us in that way we we god expects so much greater things than we can possibly do by ourselves and he will bring them to fruition if you say yes just like he did with the blessed virgin mary it's been wonderful to be with you today May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out.